This is the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage Corporation of Bay Harbor Islands. Tonight's show is hosted by Grant Stern. Find out more about our sponsor at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. Well, if you're in the car and stuck in traffic and looking out the window, I can tell you you probably are. Kick those shoes off, relax. We have a fantastic show for you tonight. Dan Gelber, one of Miami Beach's leading mayoral candidates, will be live with us in studio for an hour-long interview. If you vote on Miami Beach, there is an election this year, and Mr. Gelber is the leading candidate right now to be the next mayor of Miami Beach who will be with us in studio for an entire hour. So this is the part of the program where I get a few minutes to speak directly with you, the listening audience, about issues of importance which impact us citywide and sometimes beyond. And usually this is a single topic event. But tonight, because there's a lot of news, I'm going to break it up a little bit. So stick with me here. For starters, I have a big announcement for the Miami Book Fair. We have two incredible guests coming on from the book fair starting next week and every week until the book fair begins on November 12th through the 19th at Miami, uh, the, the downtown Miami-Dade College Wolfson campus. Next week, we have Lauren Brooke Eisen from the Brennan Center and Jared Yates Sexton both on the program to discuss their books, which will be featured at the Miami book fair. But right now, I've got a great announcement about 10 of the local artists or authors whose books are about Miami that are going to be featured in this year's book fair. This is the first time that the news is being released. And some of these folks will be on the Only in Miami show. So for starters, Norman Van Aken, the celebrity chef, his book, Florida Kitchen, will be at the Miami book fair. Also, Edwidge Danticat, the author of Hadriana of My Dreams and The Art of Death, the, writing the final story. There will also be Carl Hyacin, and he, he is being featured for Razor Girl. In addition, Jake Cattell will be featured for A People's History of Overtown, Volume 1, uh, for Inside the Music Biz, which we actually interviewed him on the show about uh, earlier this year, and for his new book, Cuban Coffee Windows of Miami. All right. We also, uh, I'm also announcing, but I guess you guys heard on the show last week, that Terry Mashore, author of Backcountry Trails of Florida, she will be at the book fair. Uh, then we also have urban planner Jared Beck, the author of River and Road, Fort Myers Architecture from Craftsman to Modern, and Robin Farzad's Hotel Scarface, where cocaine cowboys partied and plotted to control Miami. And last but not least, we're going to announce tonight that Dan Wakefield, the editor of Kurt Vonnegut Complete Stories, 
will also be featured at the Miami Book Fair. So congratulations to all those authors and stay tuned to this space if you want to hear from the Miami Book Fair's authors. And now on to that second subject, which I wanted to bring up. So there is a person who has been a frequent guest on this radio program who was in the Miami Beach mayor's race until about six weeks ago and who has declined all offers, including a committed appearance on this program back in August, which was canceled and has refused to give comment on a story which we covered on this program. His name is Michael Greco. He is a sitting commissioner of Miami Beach. Mr. Greco abruptly resigned from not only the mayor's race, but today from the race for re-election for his city commission seat. As we reported back in August, he was being investigated for being involved illicitly with a political action committee, a PAC. Mr. Greco told some very interesting stories to the Miami Herald about that. He dropped out of the mayor's race. And today he made it official that he has dropped out of basically out of politics over this issue. And I think that it's, it's a crying shame because here's somebody who spent so much time and effort, not only on the dais as a commissioner, where sometimes he was very effective, but also raising a significant amount of money in his quest to become the mayor of Miami Beach. And it's still unexplained why someone who spent so much time and worked so hard and really seemed to have the leg up on most of the competition would do something illicit or allegedly do something illicit in his political career. So, you know, we always try to strive and bring you the people who are impacting the city of Miami or beyond. And people that are elected in the city of Miami Beach have an impact far beyond simply sitting on a council for a town of 90,000 people. Miami Beach is a premier destination, not only in Miami-Dade County, not only in the state of Florida, and not only in the United States, but a worldwide destination. And the people who have the privilege of public service on Miami Beach represent this entire community to the international community. And that is why it is so important that they are carefully vetted and chosen for only the right reasons. And it's unfortunate to see Mr. Greco's exit from the public arena under a cloud of suspicion after he put in so much hard work and we all thought that he had a chance to perhaps fulfill his dream of being Miami Beach's mayor, which during a private conversation he told me was his the pinnacle of what he believed he wanted out of political life. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. Bump the tweeters and the speakers, turn the baseline up. If 
This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Miami Beach mayoral candidate Dan Gelbert. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the program live in studio tonight. My pleasure. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to run for mayor of Miami Beach this year. Well, I was, I was born and raised uh, in Miami Beach. I went to the same high school my mother taught at and where my daughter will graduate from this year. So I really have great connections to the city. Uh, four generations of my family have lived there. I've always had a, um, you know, I came from a family of public servants. My mother was a school teacher. My dad, after the uh, service in the Army Air Corps, came to Miami Beach because that's where you trained when, in World War II. And right, he, all of Miami was a big training ground. Yeah, it was a, sort of an amazing place. And um, from what I hear, I'm not that old. But, uh, <laughs> but he, you know, he really um, he grew up, he'll tell you he's the greatest generation. He's still alive. He's 90, 98 years old last week. And he became a prosecutor. He became a judge. And eventually, actually, was the mayor also. So my parents really were public servants. One a school teacher, one a prosecutor. And everybody in my family has been a a, almost everybody's been a prosecutor or a school teacher. My, wow. I have a sister uh, who, who, who was a prosecutor and is now a school teacher at IPREP. So it's, you know, I always thought some of my teachers were prosecutors. Yeah. <laughs> she's, been, she's been both. But it really was about, um, you know, my family really preached the public service. And so I did the same thing. I spent about 10 years as a federal prosecutor in, in Miami and Washington uh, doing mostly public corruption cases. I was the deputy of the Southern District of Florida's uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. No shortage of work here in Miami. It's a great place. I used to always say, unfortunately, it's a great place to be a prosecutor or a journalist. Um, <laughs> I, now I have to be careful because I want to help bring tourists here. Still is. It still is. <laughs> well, it is. Only in Miami is a great uh, tagline because it does feel like, and Hyacinth has written a lot of books about how Miami really is this place where whatever you think is about to happen, it's something quite, it's a little bit different. Uh, he, uh, Expect the unexpected. He called it, I think he wrote something, was it he or Dave Barry, who called it the DeSillers effect. Uh, okay. You know, where, uh, but, but anyway, I, so I spent, I, I followed that same path. I was a federal prosecutor for about a decade. Then I, I spent a couple years in Washington where I ran this U.S. Senate's terrorism uh, investigations committee where we did mostly counterterrorism work. 
and fraud, waste, and abuse work. And then I met my wife, uh, who's also a prosecutor, came back to Miami, and I spent 10 years in the legislature, uh, in the House and the Senate. I was a Democratic leader in the House, and I was in the state Senate. And in 2010, I sort of stepped back. Needed a a break. Well, I have three kids. I'm the father of three teenagers, so the last 10 years have been pretty important. And I last seven or eight have been really focused on that. But, you know, I looked at my city recently and I felt like it was going through some major challenges. That's a good way of describing it. Well, I mean, look, I think the most important thing about any city and the city I love is that it ha- have a sense of community. And, and, that, and so when you have that sense of community and you, you think it might be challenged, whether it's by crime or by congestion or by overdevelopment or whatever. Or by all of the above simultaneously. Well, a lot more. of it, it's, I mean, Miami Beach is a special place, but its virtues are also its challenges. People love to come there and that's why land values are so high. But when land values are so high, people come and say, well, what could I do to make money off of that? Not sure. all development's bad, but I guess the point is to answer your question. I'm running because I feel like the city has a lot of challenges, and I have a calling to service. I have my whole life, and I couldn't think of a better place to serve than the city I was raised in and that I love. Well, let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts of governing. And I'm going to start with asking you the same question that I've asked the last two <clears throat> challengers for the Miami Beach mayor's seat who came to this show. And the question is, what is your opinion of Florida sunshine law? Well, I, I would say that I think it's one of the best things about Florida. I served in the legislature for 10 years, and there's a group called the First Amendment Foundation. And they are, the, they are essentially uh, this group that's actually funded by the newspapers of Florida. And their entire purpose is to protect the Florida sunshine law. Um, they give an award every year to the person who defends it the most. Uh, and I think there have only been two people who've won it twice. Uh, I won it twice, and Charlie Crist won it twice. And the reason why I feel so strongly about the Sunshine Law is that the only way uh, that government works is if it's responsive. And the best way it can be responsive is if it's transparent. And, you know, the best antiseptic is sunshine. It's just that's both science and government. And so for me, I've always had this belief, and Florida has this belief, by the way, because it's in our Constitution, that we ought to be transparent about how government operates. People ought to be able to freely see what happens. And it's up to, uh, to people in government to make sure that happens. And whether you're embarrassed by it, it's okay. Because um, there is a price to transparency and public records and things like that. But that price is never going to be outweighed by the good it does. So I'm very proud of the fact that when I was in the legislature, I, uh, I think I had a perfect voting record on Sunshine Law issues. And this First Amendment group would usually bring me to their meetings. I still get invited because I've won the award a few times to go to their meetings and speak to people about the importance of it. And, I, uh, and uh, Katie Sorensen had a, a good government foundation. And I, would, um, give a, I, would, I was one of her instructors every time she had her her groups, and I would tell the, these uh, neophytes who wanted to run, who'd never run before, that you need a thick skin, not because it's good for you, but because you need to be prepared to let uh, everybody know what's going on, even if it doesn't reflect well. Um, and whether, and well, so. Well, you know, I can, I can bring up a very specific Sunshine Law problem in the city of Miami. It may not be the one you're thinking of offhand, uh, because there have been several. 
You're, you're going um, right to Facebook, I'm imagining. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but uh, but the one of the biggest problems that I saw was last year during the Zika crisis. Yeah. Uh, the city of Miami Beach was not being straight with the residents. Neither was the county. And then Mayor Levine and the Miami-Dade County mayor revealed that the governor of Florida had instructed them to disobey the Sunshine Law and to withhold records. So, I mean, it, you know, you talk about irreparable harm. Um, you know, what happens when somebody withholds public records and say, you know, your baby comes out with a birth defect? I mean, this is as serious as it gets. And this is what we were you know, dealing with last year on Miami Beach. Yeah, I don't know what the details of that were. So the last thing I'm going to do is comment on yeah, something yeah. in an ill-informed way. I can tell you that because I've wrote most of the Sunshine Law when, when I was here and it's exemptions as well. Um, that there are exemptions for certain things, and sure. you've and the and the. Florida, I mean, they admitted. Florida Constitution requires any exemption things, yeah. be narrow and specifically drawn so that it doesn't uh, overwhelm anything that shouldn't be covered. For instance, building plans uh, after nine oh, eleven. <laughs> after nine eleven, certain building plans of critical infrastructure became exempted. Because, uh, but there's a big debate about that. There are always these exemptions. Oh, we'll, we'll be debating about the building plans they withhold at the city of Miami yeah. on next week's show. Yeah. I promise. Oh, 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 by the way, that's but but that is those exemptions should be debated because the public should know. I don't. I, I listen. If something is not exempted, it has to be released. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, without knowing the details of anything you're going to raise, I can tell you that if it's a public record, and by the way, public records aren't just. On, uh, on, I, I adopt the interpretation that if you use, for instance, your private phone to make public uh, record, you know, do public business on your private phone, that those texts are, uh, and those emails from a private email account, if it's government business, uh, you're the custodian of the government record. Well, I like was social media, for example. Of course. Well, I was the, you know, I, um, I spent, uh, when I said I, I, I didn't do anything since 2010, I didn't really mean that. I've been head of no casinos in South Florida, and I also have been very involved in the fair districts movement. I was the oh yeah, I was the a, general counsel for fair districts. So my okay. firm and others, but we organized uh, with the people who are running at the League of Women Voters and and Ellen Frieden and others. We actually went after uh, uh, all of those public records, and because of those public records, we were able to make the case to the legis to the courts, including the Supreme Court that there had been hanky-panky with how they had drawn districts in violation of the new That's uh, true. fair districts. But yeah. I did all that litigation. So I'm, I'm pretty aware of the limits of it and the, and the reach of it. And I think, for me, the most important thing would be that you follow it scrupulously. And then, by the way, if someone calls you and says you've made a mistake, you quickly remedy it. Because it's sure. public well, that officials is, that's do make reasonable. mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've got like a minute before our next break, but is you know the state law is very comprehensive, but the city of Miami Beach has been a serial offender of that law. Uh, do you think there's something that could be done to ensure better compliance, like more controls when these things are improper? Well, I can tell you what denied? I want to do, and we'll talk about it after the break. Sure. And I don't know that they've been a serial offender, so I don't know that I'll adopt your view of it. Oh. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I want to do. Sure. I want to have an inspector general. Uh, in Miami Beach. Oh, that's want, a good idea. I want to have an independent inspector general. It doesn't report to commissioner or the mayor or the city manager, but reports to either the ethics commission or the, or the inspector general of the county. Uh, I'd like that person to have free reign to make sure our city is compliant uh, from both fraud, waste, and abuse. And I think certainly that would in include compliance with public record requests. That's a great idea. So let's do this. Before we go to break, uh, do you have a Twitter account or a website you'd like to share with our audience for people that are driving and want to 
take down a note, see what's going on after. DanGelber.com. That's where I. That's that's where I am. That's where I live on on the on the web. Already, DanGelber.com, and we'll be right back. This is the only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Miami Beach mayoral candidate Dan Gelbert. Dan, thank you again so much for joining us in the studio. For, thanks for doing this. So we were talking about uh, your plan to set up an inspector general to combat waste fraud and abuse in the city of Miami Beach. And that's a great lead in to my next question. Um, my next question concerns the theft of $3.6 million uh, from the city of Miami Beach taxpayers uh, under the current administration. And of course, that's uh, there's some responsibility of the commission. Um, there are those who oversee the finance units, but really the responsibility for that falls heavily on the administration itself, on the city manager, on his deputies. I know that two of his top deputies were removed. If elected, what would you do to address some of the more specific problems of Miami Beach's Byzantine administration? Because it wasn't just the problem where the $3.6 million was lost, but it was also a problem of reconstructing years worth of records in order to find out where the money went. And it took actually uh, close to nine months, um, and there still hasn't been a full recovery. So if elected, what would you change in the administration to try and prevent that kind of, not just waste, fraud, and abuse, but actually just 
not performing the administrative tasks of the city. Well, I'd like to know, uh, I mean, look, what's important is things happen. People commit crimes, and that was clearly a crime by a sure. guy in New York who had... Syracuse. Syracuse, upstate New York. <laughs> Up, upstate New York. <laughs> who had figured out, uh, you know, how to sort of commit an economic crime on the city. I mean, it's just strange that somebody so far away would have oh, the well, city's listen, very that, private information. Believe me, I was just surprised he was that close. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, most of the, I mean, I spent a long time in uh, doing economic crimes and I can, not doing them, <laughs> prosecuting them. Prosecute. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, like today, uh, it's these things happen everywhere and they happen on banks. They happen on within our critical infrastructure and they happen from people in just about any country in the world, especially countries that don't uh, police them. So it's very hard in that respect. So the fact it was in New York and we actually got lucky in a sense that it was somebody domestic that we had at least the reach to. And they did a forensic audit. And the question uh, is, when things happen, it's not just that they happen, it's what do you do after they happen? Of course, yeah. And I think, you know, the city did a, an audit of it. I, when I, uh, if I'm uh, privileged to be the mayor, I'm going to want to know what lessons we learned from it and what uh, bells and whistles we put into our systems to stop it from happening again. Because that's, if you, if you don't have a government that learns uh, and is robust enough to learn, from uh, its mistakes or its intrusions like this one, then you've really got a problem. And I, and I just need to know more of what we did rather than just come to a judgment that they did, didn't do anything in the follow-up. I'm not prepared to say they didn't. I'm prepared to say that obviously when something like that happens, it's a terrible thing and it reflects poorly. Uh, and I don't think anybody would say differently. But what you do after that is critical to me. And I'm hoping that the city has implemented the kinds of bells and whistles that will stop it from repeating itself, not just that issue, but others that are like it. The reason I like an inspector general is that we have an inspector general for the county. Okay. Same, in, same inspector general, by the way, does work for the school system uh, through an interlocal agreement. Uh, I don't believe municipalities have adopted that approach yet. So that inspector general really only works for the county right now. I would like to have an inspector general on, in Miami Beach. I think we attract enough mischief where we ought to have somebody there. Uh, and I think, by the way, I've spoken to people in the, in the administration, and nobody is afraid of it. And what I mean by that is nobody says, I don't want that here. Most people say what you hope they would say, which is, I, I welcome the oversight. I welcome a second set of eyes. I welcome somebody with independence who doesn't work for somebody who works here and doesn't respond to the political leadership, but has an entirely different chain of command. And that is what I want to see because when people know that that person is there or that office is there, they tend to realize that they're being second-guessed, which is a good thing and healthy thing in government. Uh, it's someone to look over how taxpayer money is being spent, not just looking for fraud, uh, but also looking for waste because uh, you can lose a lot of money through just bad decision-making uh, and, and make, and, and, you know, Well, let's let's talk choices. about some of the more dubious choices made by the city of Miami and its esteemed commission. Um, for example, there was, and I'm going to throw a few out here and then we can talk, but there was and a college I'm not sure I'll, I'll, I'm not sure I'll ad adopt your pejorative view of everything, but I'll definitely uh, respond. Sure, <laughs> okay. sure. I mean, listen, it's just, it's one of these things like they kind of pile up. Yeah, I know. I get it. You know, uh, like when you talk about the imperative to service, like I see it because yeah. in three and a half years, almost four years of doing this show, I never felt like there was one city where I had to like constantly, you know, but the, the last 12 months or so, I feel like every single week 
It's what happened in Miami Beach and what's broken, what's been stolen, hurt. It's just, it's well, by the way, one of the reasons I'm running is that, I mean, I live in the city. Yeah. And you do feel as though um, it's that, that for whatever reason, it's a little bit off the tracks. Yeah. And um, I, there are some things I like about what's been going on. There are some things that concern me. And there are some things that I think are coming. I mean, I always give credit where credit is due. I always look to. But this has been just a spiral, an out-of-control spiral. And out-of-control is the most important part. All right, well, um, go ahead so, and let so me let's know. Talk, okay, so let's talk about waste. Um, and we're, and I was going to segue into to police stuff there, too, because you could really go anywhere, a direction with what you just said. But uh, let's talk about waste. There was the Miami Beach Bowl for a couple of years, which cost the city hundreds of thousands of dollars. Miami Beach Bowl. The Miami Beach I Bowl, which that. was not played in Miami Beach, right. by the way. Uh, and it got sold to somebody out from under the beach, and now it's going to be the Weed Whacker Bowl or something. I don't know. Uh, there was the out games, which cost a significant amount of money, did not come through, uh, caused harm to a lot of athletes who spent years planning to come to Miami Beach for an, a, an event that, that failed. Um, and then there was the air and sea show, which all of my sources told me took resources away from the policing efforts on Miami Beach during Memorial Day weekend and divided them. And a lot of the chaos that people complained about, uh, the police have told me, and, and I, I haven't heard anybody that disagreed. I mean, I've heard from other commissioners, um, but people have said that dividing the police forces between night and day shift actually caused the whole thing to be understaffed and contributed to the feeling of, you know, the, the, the feeling of discomfort that people experienced on Memorial Day. And these are three Miami Beach events by the city. I mean, it, it, do you believe those three events, one of them, two, three, or, you know, one, two, or three of them would be considered wasteful? Because these are events that are run by private people. There's, there's a lot of private groups that can run these events. There's no reason for the city to necessarily get involved. But what's your opinion? Well, first of all, I don't know that they define the city in any way. I think they're significant. Although I don't, I, the be, I had forgotten well, you about. See, that's the problem. You know, I, you I had forgotten about the beach bowl. I had forgotten about the beach bowl. Something that doesn't define the city. That's a, that's pretty expensive for. A well, let's let's talk about event. the out games. Okay, let's talk about All right, that. So the out games was actually, you know, I I I watched it sort of blow up this year, and it felt terrible for the athletes who had, like implode this year. And by yeah. the way, I think it had been held elsewhere in other years where it had a similar problem. By the way, it had gone okay. into default elsewhere. Uh, obviously what happened was this was, it was not, it, it, the beach had the problem of not actually sponsoring the out games because it wasn't the Miami beaches out games. That's true. It was a, a, a private group did it, but, and I think the city had tried to give some warning to the group that their fundraising needed to be a little bit better. At the end of the day, the thing crashed on the, literally on the eve and the city tried to pick up some of the pieces by providing some of the games and finding ways to do it in a makeshift way. I actually credited them for trying to salvage it. But I think, and that's an example of either, you either should say we're going to do it or make sure that it's not done in, under your watch because if it can't be done right, it does reflect on the brand of Miami Beach. Yeah, that's true. Uh, even, if it's not, uh, even if it's not your problem and even if it wasn't your games. So I think for that, the city probably should have been either more involved. And I know they were trying. 
but it was one of those things that it, uh, there were a lot of, I think, warning signals given before that. That maybe were missed. Yeah. Now, with regard to the Air and Sea Show, look, Miami Beach is a unique place in the sense that it's 90,000 people that becomes 300,000 people overnight. Yeah, yeah. So how sure. do you deal with that capacity increase in a way that doesn't, uh, realizing that you're still a city of residents who want to really enjoy their lives, on the other hand, you've got all these other issues going on at the same time. I felt like the Air and Sea Show uh, was probably a, a pretty good thing for the city, frankly. Sure. I, I mean, th- on its own, in a vacuum, right. it was good. But, I mean, all the police officers, they came on this program. And, and what just, they told me the was— capacity was very hard for them they, to handle. What they told me was that in prior years, they would work from 4 p.m. until like 4 a.m. And then all the partiers would go to sleep and the police would go to sleep. And then they'd wake up and do it the next night. But with the split, now they had to have a full shift during the day and a full shift at night. And, and it stressed them out. I mean, this is the, the police officers union. And, and, you know, I'm a police accountability writer and advocate, a national writer about this stuff. So it's very rare that the police come to us saying, we need you to get our message out, Grant. And that, that was actually, and, and you know why they told me that? And this, this segues into what I wanted to discuss with you about the police. They told me that the mayor of Miami Beach in four years has not sat down for a formal conversation with the police union or the, uh, with, at all. I mean, you're talking about four years on the top of the Miami Beach, you know, city government and literally no conversation. Well, let me let me address your issue about about capacity and these high capacity weekends. And we have sure. three or four of them, maybe more. And it's listen, there's got to be a learning curve for the city. Um, it's you know, I. I challenge a lot of other cities to, to try to figure out how you manage the fact that on a given weekend, your population is going to triple and you're going to figure. Oh, yeah. And More people, than that. Yeah. I think 250,000 visitors come yeah. out to Memorial Day. And so think about that. That's, it's, it's an enormous challenge. Yeah. And so, you know, I think um, it, and we don't even program Memorial Day generally. Right. What I mean by that is we don't say we're going to have all these activities for people. We literally just wait hoping that we're going to be able to deal with it. And we hire a lot of overtime. And I say we, I'm not in city government right now. I'm just the guy who wants to be. Well, we as in the city. You, yeah, you we try to there. figure it out. And I and I, um, I think they did things a little bit better this, this year. And I think the, uh, there was a terrible murder, obviously, at the end of the thing. Which I don't think any amount of policing would have solved. But, but it, you know, the current administration um, and, and one of your former opponents painted like the crowd as the cause of this yeah, terrible I didn't crime. Like, I, I didn't like the way, it, I didn't like the way the whole thing was presented, at all, because to me I think the problem is capacity, and being able to govern that many people, uh, more than it is anything else. And so the question is, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about the drinking time and things like that. We're getting there. Yeah, but whether or not maybe during those weekends there's a uh, there's a control of that, just so that you temp down the volume of people that are coming through, or you find a better way to do it. And I'll say this, uh, one day they, they controlled traffic uh, and stopped people from going, and then the other day they didn't for the same area. And I think they probably learned that they didn't need to. I don't know that, but what I'm saying is that a, a intelligent city uh, and an intelligent police force, and I think we do have that, and has to figure out how you, has to be uh, robust enough to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I think they probably have some lessons learned. Right, I, but I, I feel like the city's leadership 
refuse to even. Well, and I'm not going to listen. I don't want to be your vehicle. I'm not going to be your vehicle. No, no, I mean, this is just what they're telling Uh, me. Yeah, listen, I. I, I, It doesn't matter. He's gone. He's done in 60 days. I I think that the city (laughs) has to uh, hopefully have learned from these last few experiences. And by the way, I think the Memorial Day weekend challenges and other high capacity weekend challenges they've gotten better at. Yeah. Uh, A problem is they also have the confluence of construction and things like that that have limited our arteries uh, and the the mobility. So I I don't want to say that, you know, we're, I mean, we didn't, we haven't done things perfectly, obviously. I like the RNC show. I thought Memorial Day weekend was a good time to do it. Uh, and I, I mean, think this year I got away, so I didn't get to see the air and see. Yeah, I, I don't I'm not prepared to say it's a terrible idea uh, or, or that it, we ought to walk away from it. In fact, I think uh, conversely, if much like the out games, if we're going to take control of these high capacity weekends, maybe we do have to program for them uh, a little bit uh, in a way that's thoughtful, by the way, because I yeah. didn't I didn't like the way it came out that uh, we weren't we didn't want African-Americans coming to Miami Beach. I thought that was a horrible uh, uh, optics for our city, especially a city that you know uh, is a progressive city by all other ju- all other metrics. Yeah, that's right. So I I didn't like it at all, and I well, felt actually some politicians on Miami Beach said the residents are with me. We don't want these people here. And yeah, it, just, I, 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 it listen, was appalling. I was in the room for that too. That's I was not appalled. That's not our city. Uh, but I do think uh, that said, when you have that, when you have three hundred thousand people coming over the weekend. You have residents there, and they're upset that you know they can't get to their homes, or they can't go to the movie, or they have to leave the city. So that's not acceptable either. So I think the the city has to be able to con- uh, perhaps program it so we do control it a little bit more, or have enough, uh, you know, sort of preparation for it, so well, that our police aren't feeling like they're so exhausted that they can't patrol. Well, you know, in 2011, there was a serious incident involving the police. Yeah. And it, when I talked about noncompliance with the Sunshine Law, that's one of the things I was referencing because the city of Miami Beach uh, was hit with multiple court orders and they still haven't released information about the, you know, the, the police officers who shot numerous innocent bystanders, uh, killing a man in his car who was unarmed until they found a gun three days later. Very suspicious. Um, but since then, from 2012 to 2016, which is a long stretch of time, it seemed like the city had completely solved Memorial Day. No more chaos, no more late night shenanigans. And then once they got into the event planning business all of a sudden, and there was three events. And that's why I brought up all three, because it was like, well, suddenly the city of Miami Beach is very, very interested in events, but it seemed very disinterested in the most basic services. And like you said, Miami Beach has some very, very unique circumstances and and let me ask you about one of them and this one i'm sure you've you've probably heard a little bit about this but do you think it's proper for the city of miami beach to look to get a a uh, branch of the county court and appoint a special prosecutor for miami beach like a night court to police some you know to to adjudicate some of these many petty crimes that are committed by and against tourists because what happens is and this is what the police have told me and also the chief actually independently. Uh, and believe it or not, I think the police and the chief thought they were at odds. And then I spoke with the police and they said, well, how'd you learn all that? I said, well, the chief told me it's a problem. So, so they agree. They agree, but they don't know they agree because well, there's no communication. Gr- you're a great there. uniter. Well, <laughs> you know, it was totally by accident. I was trying to, you know, I'm just kidding. I, it really is what my goal here. You know, we're, we're looking yeah. to Go impact ahead, tell pos- me. the public policy. So what policy. was it that... So what it was is the, the police chief said, 
Miami Beach has an incredible challenge because people come here, they get victimized by a crime, then they leave, and then they don't want to testify against their accuser. You know, they don't want they're to follow here, the they're process. They're not here, they're not sticking around. Yeah. They didn't stick around. They don't want to come back, obviously. Um, but so, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about perhaps having a special prosecutor on the beach. Do you have an, a, an opinion on maybe doing something innovative because Miami Beach has a very different kind of crime problem that the police are having a lot of trouble controlling. So do you know who, who else realizes that a lot of the victims aren't going to be here? The criminals. Sure. If you look at most cities, and Miami Beach is a very good example of this, the overwhelming amount of crime that is, um, you know, that really creates peril in a, in a community uh, happens with a very few number of people. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like it might it's, be it's a small number 10 or 20 people may be committing an overwhelming majority of the crimes. So they know exactly where these. So your question is, do I think we, of course, I, I wouldn't mind a special prosecutor. I wouldn't mind it because we have an overwhelmed justice system. We have an overwhelmed. Uh, and I don't and I don't want to suggest somebody's not doing their job. But the truth of the no, matter but the is, mechanics of it yeah, are just, just need, difficult. And, and so I, I think it's a it's a fair idea. I've heard it. I like it. I, uh, I think we also should, our citizens are standing up. There's a couple uh, guys who really, you know, John Deitzman and some others are out there really dry, trying to make sure that that small cohort of, uh, of really predators yeah. who come to Miami Beach because they know there are people with money who might not know where they're going because they're visitors who won't be here to testify. And so I don't have a problem at all with directing substantial resources against those people because they change the texture of the community. I don't like the fact that the city feels dangerous right now in some areas. I don't like the fact that when I, when I was a young guy on my bike as a teenager, I could go anywhere, but my uh, teenage children can't. I don't like that at all, and I want to change that. I think it's an unacceptable feature of the city right now, especially in a city that's 88 blocks long and uh, just a you know, mile or two wide. We should be able to police it. I think uh, I want to let the police know we are supporting them. I also want them to know that the city has to be safe and uh, because that's the first function of government, honestly. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. And Dan, let's uh, give out your information for the website. and DanGelber.com and my cell phone is 305-345-7879. DanGelber.com and my cell is... 305-345-7879. Don't call after 10 p.m. because um, my wife falls asleep early. She's a, very, she's a very hard worker, and she gets up early. All righty, and we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. We were royalty. She even said it's staring in the face of poverty. Is that insanity or vanity? I think it's nothing but the power of the mind. Believe she put it in me. Because I live on my dreams. I gave my fantasies wings. One day I'm gonna be king. I'm gonna make that woman so proud of her son. I know you heard about change. It's gonna change come. One question. Will you be there? Will you be there? I'll be there with my hands held high in the air like a champion. Cause I demand the win.
said never fold my cards Focus my mind and don't take my eyes Off the prize Cause life is a pick up and I You're here then you're gone Off to the other side My time is a gift and I use it I spend every day making beautiful music But you don't have to hold the tune To serenade a room Just to highlight like noon Even in the gloom Darkest clouds never block the sun Just rise above and you're already one No obstacle can't be overcome If you think that you can then it's already done Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Dan Gelber. He is a candidate for Miami Beach Mayor. Dan, thank you so much for joining us in studio tonight. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Only in Miami Beach. Only in Miami. (laughs) So... Uh, we've talked about Only a lot Miami of topics. <laughs> a lot of topics here. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to even have time to get into traffic because there's one 800-pound gorilla sitting in the room, and it is not your wonderful staffer here. It is climate change. Uh, the city of Miami Beach has been struggling with rising water and with changing from a gravity-based to a pump-based system in order to keep the streets clean. Uh, the last mayor, the outgoing mayor, installed a pump system very rapidly near the properties which he owns in low-lying areas, and the rest of the pumps have been fairly slow to arrive. And on top of that, a Florida International University scientist submitted his water samples over the course of three years and determined that the city of Miami Beach today is polluting Biscayne Bay with sewer bacteria, which is being sucked into the pumps by the, the vacuum created, which gravity didn't create, sucked in from broken sewer lines and spit out into Biscayne Bay. It's being spit out at dangerous levels every day. But right now, like actually this week, the city is experiencing what's called the king tide. When the tides are elevated, the pumps are used the most, and there's even more pollutant being ejected into the water surrounding Miami Beach. And this has caused... Not one, but several state warnings on the beaches, which are the lifeline of Miami Beach. They are the economic engine of Miami Beach and much of the county. If elected, what will you do to fix the beaches sinking feeling? Well, let let me say the, the reason why there are these issues is because, and I credit the commission and, and Mayor Levine with saying we're going to deal with them. In other words, had the decision not been made to do anything, we wouldn't be having a discussion about whether the plan to raise our streets or the issues with regard to the outflow existed because we would be waiting for other cities to do it to see what happens there. And we'd be having a discussion about Miami or uh, Bell Harbor or somewhere else. The reason why, why we're dealing with these issues is because we are confronting them rather than saying we're gonna wait and I, so I credit this, the commission because honestly dealing with something that you don't really have the problem as present, but we do have, um, we do have sunshine uh, flooding in Miami Beach. So it's, yeah, it, sunny is, day pre- flooding, it yeah. is present, but it's not, uh, but it's something we could, you know, uh, the, this commission could have said, you know what, we'll wait 
we'll leave it to Gelber and his group <laughs> to do, and uh, we'll just you know say, oh. And so I, I well, credit well, them. Hold on a second. This commission has left the environmental problems to Gelber. Oh, oh th- there's a lot of issues because anytime you do something as big as this, you're going to have. Uh, ex, uh, expected issues and unintended issues. Of course. And so that's what's going on. I mean, we are, uh, I always say it this way, it's great to have a canary in the mine shaft, except if you're the canary. <laughs> and so <laughs> Miami Beach really is the canary here in the sense that because of the of where we are and because of, of the basin of who we are, what we're literally made of, the texture uh, of our city, we get this flooding more than other places. That's true. And we get it quicker We've gotten it uh, earlier, and if anybody wants to know that uh, to, you know believes in global warming or not, just come to Miami Beach today, and you'll see that we have sunny day flooding. So, and, and to to prove your point a little bit about being more proactive, um, I was just in Charleston, South Carolina, which has a lovely historic district that is even lower lying than Miami Beach, and they do not have any significant. Uh, program for sea level rise resiliency what they have is they block off a few streets here and there and they send out police on occasion like high tide and low tide every single day and say oh you can't use this main road or that main road and maybe what's going to happen in 10 years there one can only imagine yeah and so for me you know i i look at the city and say listen they are they're serious about it and they're spending half a billion dollars on it uh, and they're creating incredible amount of, you know, dislocation in our city because of it, because that kind of change doesn't come with dislocation. So the question isn't whether, uh, whether it's a bad idea to address it. The question is how you address it. And I, so I credit them with addressing it. The question becomes, what are you going to do about it? And so I'm a lawyer. Uh, I'm not an urban planner. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a climatologist. I'm not any of those things. And, and, and let me just mention that there is an engineer running for public That's true. office That's true. Uh, on the Miami Beach Commission. Um, his opponent just dropped out. We spoke about him at the top of the show. Um, so it would be interesting to see if Miami Beach does have an engineer sitting on Mark the commission. Mark Civilian is an engineer. That's and, right. And yeah. by the way, I think it's, you know, we want, you know, Miami Beach once had a fire chief as one of uh, its commissioners. So it's always good to have people who bring in other expertise. Sure, but especially engineering. Yeah, I know, right now. And, and, and so I, so my point is that you know, most of the people who come into the elected office don't have that background or that area. So they're not going to substitute their judgment and say, uh, this is what we should do. This isn't. They have to learn from experts. Sure. And so what I want to do is I've, I've now talked to enough people involved in this process to know that the one thing government doesn't one, I won't say the one thing. Government doesn't do a lot of things uh, well. But Government's good at what government should well, do. And private business, of course, has... Very much its place. Here's the challenge. When, yeah. when you are um, doing something that hasn't been done before, so you don't have the cautionary tales to tether your judgments to and your decisions, you basically can fall victim to groupthink. And what I mean sure. by that is, you know, people who say we should do it this way don't want to embarrass themselves. Elected officials won't be around in 20 years when, you know, it comes home to roost. So that what you have to do is you have to force yourself to challenge your assumptions. Okay. And so what I want to do, because I'm not an engineer and I'm not uh, like Mark, uh, I, want to, I want us to do what I think, uh, the best way I could describe it is to, to hire a red team. Okay. You know what a red team is? Sure. It's a team, an opposition team, uh, you know, to, to basically oppose your ideas, like to just be the devil's advocate. To challenge you. Yeah. And to, 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 
You know, it's what the although a red team really comes from the Cold War. The the USSR yeah. was the red oh. team, and so in all the exercises that we right. have here, you know, we'd be the blue team. They'd be the red <laughs> okay, team. Okay, maybe. Um, but I I want whatever you want, whatever colors whatever teams. colors ascribe to it. My point is that I I want to make sure that we get it right. Sure. And so the way to get it right is to retain a group of experts with similar expertise whose only job is to say well is is it is this the right kind of pump is is this the is is your estimation of of what you need for street level rise correct uh are there's you, another issue and i'm going to bring it up we don't have to go into the weeds are your outflows correct outflows how about uh are you pushing the water into private land and you're right. not you're not actually solving the problem. That's a big problem. That Listen, I, 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 by the way, I understand because right now water falls off your roof and then it falls into the into your yard and then it goes into the street. And when you raise the street, you create a basin. Right now, this new system that's going to be automated and not gravitational, it's going to be energy related, yeah, yeah. is going to is presumably going to push that out. But when the if there's not sufficient redundancy, then you've created a new peril in a basin. So. The question and, really and there was a failure yeah, of Purdy the pump Avenue. system in yeah. a heavy uh, rain, and that created a huge flood. Absolutely, and worse than what you would have. So gotten you before. want someone looking at that saying, "Is is this peril uh, better than the other peril?" Okay, and those are real issues. And uh, you, oh, it's really about engineering all the perils. Well, it's also about thoroughly. having an economic analysis to say which is the which is the which is the least uh, uh, you know uh, harmful poison out there. And by the way, these are real issues. We saw with that last rainfall. That was a sort of a unique rainfall that anywhere can flood. Well, we've got one minute left. If you had one minute to tell all of your voters one thing, what would it be? Look, if you want thoughtful government that cares about residents, I'm, that's what I, I bring. I love this city. I have a long view backwards because I grew up here. I'll have a long view forward. I think that's what you should want in any elected official. And you're going to have that with me. I'm not looking to worry about election cycles. I'm worried about uh, having a city that my children will want to come back to. And that's here. So uh, I'm Dan Gelber, dangelber.com. And my cell phone is 305-345-7879. And thank you for having me. It's a, f- a fun show. It's my pleasure, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you left us a little bit of time so we can keep going here until we come up on that last minute and you'll hear the music coming. So um, what other issues that we haven't covered yet do you think are important for me? Well, I, I think... You can give me one, two. Well, I think public safety is a bigger yeah. issue than anything. Sure. Because I feel like we, I feel like it's not as safe as it should be. I, I think I, one thing I want to do, uh, and, and a lot of my ideas are not my ideas. They come from people you talk to because that's what a campaign is. It's okay. Is. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah, no, I, I say that. My wife says that, you know, every time I say that was my idea, she reminds me that I have no memory. <laughs> but, you know, like I want us to, I really want our uh, commitment, we haven't talked about this, to cultural. Uh, because I feel like our city has organically developed a real cultural base, which we never really had. We had Judy Drucker years ago who used to bring Pavarotti now and again, but we didn't have the cultural centers that Art Basel does now and other things. So I, I think that that's the kind of tourist we want. That's the kind of people we want here. And I hope, and it's also elements that our residents will enjoy. So I'd like to see a renewed emphasis on the cultural. Well, again, Dan, thank you so much Thanks for joining for me, me on the program tonight. And that is all the time we have tonight on the Only in Miami show. But we will be back next Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. with two book fair guests. This is the Only in Miami show.